It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Here we go. The Martin Luther King weekend is actually ending as Joe and I record this. I think the uh, championship game is going over, going on over at Wheaton South right now, Joe. It's Rockford East against the host Tigers. We are both missing it, but I've been uh, kept well informed on Twitter of the going of all the games Joe at Central has lost over at uh, <laughs> Wheaton Hornville South this weekend. Uh, how was your week? Ah, uh, it was good. I just. Uh... I think it's Martin Luther King, the tournaments, the thing that they've, I think they've toned down a little bit from the, where they were like five, was it five years ago? The heyday of the MLK weekend. Maybe not I, if I, you I, go to Maine East or Maine South. <laughs> well, I, uh, it's like a little blip on the radar of the, of the high school basketball season. <laughs> Let's move yeah, on. <laughs> it was, uh, I saw a lot of good games this week. Didn't, I just went to, over to Geneva today. So I, I feel like I didn't fully participate in any Martin Luther King madness. I yeah. Guess it's just weird. Weird. I mean, we had that big one. I'm sure we'll discuss a little bit from Simeon Kenwood back earlier. It feels like it was a month ago, but it was, <laughs> it does. Yeah, uh, that was Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we might as well, let, let's, let's, um, yeah, let's start with that and then do our two takes okay. and then go into the, um, we're going to do a little bit of a previewing. We don't, we don't do a ton of previewing anymore in the show, but it's a big weekend. We got the Wednesdays Collide shootout over at Bennett that Joe helps put together. And we're going to go in depth because like the whole top 10 is there, basically the top five, whatever. So we're going to hit that. That'll be the big feature of the episode, but start out. I mean, you got to talk about it. We finally, I, I guess, I, I don't know. Luckily, Robert Smith doesn't care that sometimes I just kind of blatantly root for Simeon to lose because it's fun. You know, it spices things up. I mean, the rankings got on the front page of the newspaper today because Kenwood, you know, for the first time in history gets in there. We, we needed some movement. Glenbard West was great last year, but man, was it dull having nobody else be number one. <laughs> so we finally got a new number one. Kenwood has ascended. Joe and I were both at the game at, at Simeon. What was your big takeaway from it, Joe? When was the last time? What was his final score? 46, 43. Was that it? Absolutely. It was a three-point game and it was too low scoring. Yes. Well, that was my that's my okay. when was the last time a high profile big time high school basketball event in this public league in particular? I know the answer. Yeah. Well, it, it was the opener. On. I was yeah, okay. just get, I was getting it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, take my thunder. No. <laughs> was outdone later in the season <laughs> by another one. I mean Think about that. If you had ever thought that Kenwood Whitney Young would be in the 40s, or yep. maybe what, what, I can't 46, remember. 46 44 is what that one was. Yeah. And then you followed up with this game. I'm just, I was stunned at how low scoring it was. I mean, the shooting was awful. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The shot it, clock's not helping, if anybody's wondering. <laughs> it, it, well, it, it was interesting, though, Mike, is I tweeted twice. And some people did not understand the tweet, which happens. Uh, there was two possessions that Kenwood had in the second half alone yeah. that would have clearly come been close. shot yeah. clock 
violations. No, definitely violations. Guys, pay attention closely. And then somebody tweets at me. It didn't. We don't have the clock. It doesn't matter. Okay, I, I get that. You know, <laughs> but to have that game come, you know, the way it went down with forty six forty three, that is just crazy. You know, particularly in the public league. I mean, Simeon's had their share of of low scoring games over the years. Uh, they played a state championship game with Peoria Richwoods that was in the thirties, I think. But uh, th- that's to me it was just a lack of. I guess, for lack of a better word, a lack of offense. It, it, it was yeah. a grinded-out game, which I think bodes well for Kenwood in particular that they have been able to win some of these low-scoring games because, you know, when you keep that pace, a slower pace against Kenwood, it, it should be to your advantage. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the big – you you picked before the game, I think you <clears> – or I don't know, we talked about it, but – you thought Kenwood would win, uh, or maybe on the podcast we talked about it. I think, yeah, at the end of the last week's podcast, and I, I thought Simeon would win. Um, I think it was a toss-up, and we, we got what it was. It was it was a toss-up. Yeah, to anybody, I wouldn't put a whole lot of – I guess the, the big takeaway is, you know, Kenwood's for real, I think. However, I mean, there were like two calls at the end that could have gone either way. And Simeon could have won if just one of those calls would have gone their way. You know, it was razor thin margins all over the place in that game. You know, but, oh, it was at Simeon. So that's a big deal, you mm-hmm. know, for, for Ken when it proves a lot. As far as the low scoring, I've been thinking about it. And especially with our high level teams, this might sound harsh, but nobody can shoot. They're mm-hmm. just, there aren't shooters. Like you think back in the past, like. The stars could shoot, but then like Simeon would have that one guy who was a three-point specialist. You know, so would Young. You know, there'd be you know Camer. There'd be somebody who could shoot on every team, even if they couldn't do anything else. <laughs> really, you know what I mean? And now we don't even have that. You know, it's and it's just it's got the zone defense has just bogged things down, and without anybody shooting, nothing opens up, and it's yeah, it's it's a struggle. <laughs> I guess is uh, the best way to put it. I don't. I think Dayday Ames did a lot for his player of the year candidacy in that game. I think he, of the last couple of weeks, I think he really has, because I think his name had maybe faded away a little bit behind some of the others, but he was absolutely spectacular, I thought. And very much like Jeremy Fears against Rolling Meadows, the defense, it meant a lot. His four steals all led immediately to baskets, and, and it's a three-point win so i mean th- that's huge it's monumental and, and he's such a force defensively while doing everything he does offensively the, um it, it was a really really nice performance i thought for day day yeah he got in transition a few times and, and got some easy buckets too because of that defense and uh, i i i just you go back to that shooting you know and simeon is just a team that i mean their best threat shooting the ball that day came off the bench and um uh, Rashad McKinney, and I think they're going to need that from a guy like him, you know, just to give them a little bit. I mean, you've got the Rubens inside. You've got, you know, Jalen Griffith will knock a shot down. But I fully expect, I, I, I would be surprised if these two did not meet a month from now in the yeah. public league playoffs. That would be fun. Um, Simeon, there are some factors. I think Caden Space you know, wasn't a factor in the game. He clearly is kind of still working his way back in. And it, from talking, it sounds that, like that's more of a him fitting in with the team because really he never really got to play with them. You know, he transferred in, played in the Elite Classic, and then was kind of out. So he's never really kind of 
had a a run with this group of kids. So it's more of that than the injury holding him out right now. They're working on that. And Michael Ratliff, I don't know if you noticed, Joe, I had a feeling he hurt his hand during the game. He missed three out of four free throws in a stretch and he was kind of messing with it. And it turns out he'd actually heard it two games ago. I asked. And so mm-hmm. that was impacting him. And those free throws that he missed were, were really huge. And I'm sure that hand had an awful lot to do with it. Um, and then on the other side, Chris Riddle ha- has started to produce. He, he, I guess he probably did a little bit more in that game than he did against uh, Curie, but he's a factor. That's a quite a, a presence to be able to bring in off the bench for a team. Yeah, he's a he's an athletic specimen. You know, he's going to have to find his comfort level and and settle in with them. And and at this point, it's going to be have to be a role. It's not going to be as a, a central featured piece. It just doesn't work. You know, in that regard, right now. So. But it's a huge addition, particularly with Alston being injured. Yeah, it's crazy to look over at that bench, and they've got Green, um, Riddle, and Robbins. Robbins sitting on their bench. It'd be literally a top ten team. Yes, it would be. It's wild. Um, and and a credit to Mike Irvin, he gets a lot of you know flack, but he has figured out like a high school rotation thing. Well, and, and and to get him to buy in when they're not, yeah, like I said, not being a you know, a, a, a 15, 17 point per game guy or getting 10 shots. I mean, some of these guys are getting three, four, five, six shots. So very interesting to see how that's developed, but um, let, let's get into our two takes. You want to start us off, Joe? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, first one is just, you know, I feel like I've talked about this before. I feel like I'm going to be talking about it again because it's Catholic league related. And I, and I don't know, I think we discussed a little bit at times about, the opportunity or, 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 or just, you know, the rise of the Catholic league and taking that opportunity and getting a state trophy in terms of like DePaul and two a and St. Ignatius and three a. And I was just kind of looking ahead, Mike. I mean, the, the, there are <clears throat> six teams in that league and, and I look at five of them have been ranked in your top 25 at some point or are ranked now, or at some point in the season. And it's just a, log jam at the top with Mount Carmel and St. Rita, who, by the way, will play next week, a week from about time you're listening to this in a huge one, the Chicago Catholic. And you got brother rice, Loyola, Ignatius and DePaul. And there's six teams, Mike, that are going to be spread out in, in um, I believe five different sectionals. And I just think it's a time. It's kind of dumb to be talking about this, this far out. But it's come to me because Loyola's kind of been a resurgent team here, and uh, we 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 and, and they're in different classes. That there's three classes: four A, three A, and two A with DePaul and two A. And, and the way it sets up, and I, I'm writing a little bit about this as well. It just lends itself to really putting the Catholic League on the map in March when it matters most, and they continue to push forward and. They're going to be knocking heads over the next month, but I just think it sets the tone here for them to really, really take a major step forward, and they'd be an upset or two away from really. You know, as an example, I, Mount Carmel has an unbelievable road when they get to the state tournament to get to the sectional final. If they were to upset Simeon, which by the way, do you know where the Simeon Mount Carmel game would be played in a sectional final? Oh no! Where this is going to be bad, isn't it? 
It's just weird. I don't think it's. I don't know if it's bad. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think it is bad because of location. Yes, Glenbard South. Oh, that's horrible. Simeon Mount Carmel. Weird. Uh, Glenbard South. Anyway, I, my take is this: Catholic League. The door is wide open to really, really make a statement both within your league and how it finishes, because that is one of the better leagues in the entire state of Illinois this year. That, that uh, I can't remember the, the division, what's called blue. Uh, and then bam state tournament comes and you have all a plethora of teams that can really make deep runs. And for us to be talking about them in March and headlines made in, in, in that time of the year. So yeah, there's four non-Chicago teams in that sectional. What Glenbird South is one, so I'm sure the Chicago schools probably didn't go for it. Maybe St. Lawrence did. They hold it. They hold things sometimes, but yeah, that's makes sense looking at it. Why it's in Glenbard at Glenbird South, but well, the other thing, just this has huh. nothing to do with the take, but <laughs> it's, it's the number of people I've talked to who like they're not putting in for sectionals. Yeah. I mean, they're they're like begging schools to take yeah. them. Yeah, there were a lot of TBAs for a while. Um, yeah, I, I kind of understand that the way things have been going. That makes some sense. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see with the Catholic League. I watched a Mount, Mount Carmel drop one to Bloom that they probably really shouldn't have. Um, and I had to knock Ignatius out of the rankings, which they keep losing to good teams, but they keep losing like four out of their last five. A little concerning. Um my take, kind of about that. I, I guess I <laughs> I transitioned into my own take without knowing about it. Um, I, I wrote a little snippet about this on top of the rankings this week, but I feel like parody really slapped me in the face the last two weeks. Um, just I thought there was a solid top tier of teams, and I was just wrong. <laughs> Clearly, I don't know if it's this midseason funk for some teams, if this or that, but I, I and I. It, could even exacerbate itself over the course of this week. But I, I think and it's going to set up a really fun playoffs, but other than maybe that kind of group at the top with Simeon and young and Kenwood, and maybe not even that I saw Curie, they, they probably should have beat Kenwood at Kenwood. And we saw that Curie probably should have, or did lose to Proviso East last night. That game didn't really end <laughs> and Proviso East was leading. So I, I've got a feeling that, Something and that, took 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 apart today, pretty good against yeah, Hillcrest. Which I can what? Well, who's Mike Oliver needs to take a, a timeout from scheduling? What is he doing? I they mean, play they play every day. Yeah, it's like they play a top ten team every in, in a weird times. They were playing at like ten at night last night, getting in a fight, and then they're playing at one. It, yeah, it's, so I didn't. I kind of thought Kiri was in trouble today after the week they'd had. Um, the high school basketball teams, like we saw with Simeon last week, it's just tough to keep you know, banging your head against the wall like that. But yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I did not expect there to be this level of parody. We we haven't, but we've been seeing it the last couple of years, but I thought this was different. I thought we had a top tier of teams and it's not quite there. And I don't know. I mean, it's to me, it's kind of a little disappointing because I, I like to know, you know, that we do have some elite teams and I'm I'm just not sure we do. I think anybody can kind of get anybody right now. I just think it all will come full circle back in March or state tournament time. And I, I think it's those teams are all going to be just Deliver. fine. Yeah. Um, are you talking me down from a Julia West ledge, Joe? Well, 
<laughs> I have a little concern with them, but I like their sectional. So, I mean, they're, they're, I think Juliet West, we'll talk about a little bit later, has a maybe their biggest game of the year. Kind of a, I know they could say the past games they've had a really good schedule, but I just kind of mean to read. We'll talk about that, redefine themselves. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause I, this is the game I care least about. As a, I, you, you've got too much emotional. I do. You just got to step away. And, uh, I, I tried. I didn't go to Rolling Meadows. Giant West Joe. I stepped away. Uh, watched it on the internet. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. My second take. take. Yeah. So this one, I'm, I'm going a little ramp ramble. Uh, so I, I, I watch, <laughs> I watch games with a few different lenses. Uh, obviously the evaluation piece is there for me. My another, you know, part of it is my recruiting service for college coaches. So that's obviously a big part of it. Uh, but I do really enjoy the, the, the games in terms of the intric the intricacies of the game, the styles, the, I get into the X's and O's and the matchups that coaches find and take advantage of in games. Uh, but as I've watched, but you know, I, I don't mean this past week or even throughout this season. I'm afraid of when I make this take or take this take is going to alarm people because I was at their games this week. This is not about. Oh that. yeah, I always. Uh, that <laughs> Go so, uh, but I have noticed more and more and more over the past year or two, there has been a lot of coaching. And by that, I mean, I really have seen what I would even call in some instances more and more over coaching. And, and I will say this and, and, and that it, it does come from a good place, not from me. I'm talking about the over coaching. Uh, it, it comes from a good place usually. And, and I, but I just think there's a handful of teams, maybe more or, or, or just more games where I would love to see coaches take a step back in their control. I see this overcoaching creating just this absolute dependence on the coach, uh, more so that it, it takes away from the game. And it comes in different forms. It's it's not even really easy to define this overcoaching, but you know, it, it could it could be the, the constant barking on the sideline, making sure everyone knows who's in charge, uh, the running of constant sets or constant action in, in, in the half court. Uh, as a result, I just, I seem to be seeing, I don't know, more and more indecision from players, players becoming yes. almost, almost paralyzed and, yes. and, and yeah. overwhelmed uh, players with too much responsibility who just can't always handle it with too many offenses or too many defenses or, or too many sets. And what happens so many times, Mike, is it becomes almost impossible for players to play in the moment and they, they play confused and as a result lose confidence and worst case that takes the fun out of the game i'm not saying that's happening all over the place i just you know while all of this is happening there's parents and their trainers and the shooting coaches and the stands yelling shoot it shoot it uh so it's just a a, a thing i have noticed um and as i was preparing my little diatribe on this i grabbed a quote <laughs> from john wooden probably heard of him over coaching can be more harmful than under coaching if you over coach 
you don't do many things well. Uh, so I, you know, again, it, it's just a, I would say a small thing. I don't think it's a major thing, but I would like to see him let him play. I think it's led in some in some places. Um, and, and the shot clock's not going to cure this. It, it, it it's going to speed up pace. It's going to speed some things up. Uh, because one thing, Mike, with the shot clock that people don't understand, right? Well, the shot clock naysayers, I guess, is it you know it gets you into your stuff earlier. It, it, you're 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 not walking the ball up the court. You're you're you know you're 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 getting the pace is picked up in that regard. Now, in the same token, if they're playing a really good defensive team and you're deep in the shot clock, you're going to see some bad shots. So uh, we'll see how it affects scoring. But my point is. I do think the coaching, the overcoaching in some in some circumstances, it has impacted some of our scoring and in, in the in the lower scoring. The, just this constant control and our and this grip on their teams and the, what they're doing offensively. Joe, you sounded like me. I think I've done that rant less eloquently like seventeen times over the, <laughs> uh, the course of no shot clock. And I, I think the point I've never really made that I think you made really well that I was thinking about this week. Um, I guess I shouldn't have said this week, but it wasn't in games this week. Indecision. Um, it's exactly what happens, and you see it on the kid's face. And it's I saw a team lose a game this week because of that indecision. Double digit lead. They've got you know, just a minute or two left. And the kid, he's the second or, you know, first or second best player on the team. And he was open, you know, wide open. So he took the shot and the whole coaching staff is on his case because, you know, oh, is that, that's not the shot we needed this and that we are going to hold on to this 12 point lead. Like it's going to save our lives for the next two minutes. And what are you doing? And the kid was like, that was it for him. He like everything after that for the rest of the game, he just wasn't sure what he should do. And they lost. And it wasn't because that kid took that shot when they were up by 10 or 12. It was because after that, he just didn't know anymore. But, you know, what was going on? He was a younger kid. And it, I see that so often. And, you know, I don't think the, the shot clock's not going to help that in, in any way. You know, you just, I don't know what the shot clock will help is my buddy, Jeremy Fears. Oh, my gosh, the way it takes them so long to set up in the half court. I mean, it is so slow. It's because he knows they're not a he or his brother. They're not afraid of anybody taking the ball from him, you know, so they can kind of linger out there because as soon as they're challenged, they don't got a problem with it. But man, it just I, I've I've been yearning for a shot clock in some Julia West games this year just so we, they can get moving. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's driving me nuts. Um, all right. My uh, second take here. I did some number crunching, which should alarm you because I'm not real good with numbers, <laughs> but I went back and looked. Um, I don't know why it hit me. Maybe because I was looking up Libertyville sectional route or whatever. Um, but I, we never really got an answer about last year's state tournament, like attendance. Right. Mm -hmm. So I went and uh, I think last week or the week before, I don't know. It could have been three weeks. The IHSA released their um, financials and it's a big statement and you don't get ticket numbers. You just get raw numbers so i have the revenue from the boys basketball state tournament oh um, but which by the way it's really stupid oh they, not to have the attendance yes and what, what sporting event doesn't what major sporting event doesn't give attendance all right go ahead i have no idea and you can do tickets sold and not people who showed up so you can make it even look look even better yeah <laughs> but um 
Uh, it was two million. Uh, Two million nineteen thousand dollars was the revenue. So their expenses were nine hundred and fourteen thousand. So the net was one point one million. Um, now I know that doesn't mean anything to anybody. But so in comparison, um, it was slightly up from twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen. That was one point nine. Um, you go back to twenty seventeen, it was two million, and then it was one point nine in twenty sixteen, and then for like five years, it was two million. So it looks like it was a bump from 2019 and 2018 and about back to what we were for a while. However, this is what I don't know. And maybe a a listener knows this much more than me since I don't know anything about money or running events. We have to remember same amount of games, but there was one less day. Mm -hmm. This was a three day. So they made... $2 $2 million in three days instead of $1.9 million in four days. That seems significant to me, right? I suppose. There's just so many variables. Yeah. See, I don't know how that works. But to me, it seems like getting more revenue in less time has to be good. You would think, yes. Right? Uh, I, I need no numbers to know that it was better <laughs> just from being there. But... Yeah, there were times when it was better. I see. I was wondering because I was really let down by Glenbard West. I didn't think they brought enough. You know, I was expecting a lot out of them, and I think in a way that might be good for the future because it was not some massive Glenbard West crowd that did this. It was kind of a good Glenbard West crowd, and then a good crowd overall. You know what I mean? So I don't think it was dependent on that Glenbard West thing. I think that was not as significant as I as I kind of hoped. I never knew what the numbers were because I, it was because I would have needed the Glenbard West fans to be in Carver Arena for me to, to mm-hmm. fully know if that crowd was gigantic. It was really hard for me to, I don't know, it was just because you just, your eyes would take you in Carver Arena to, you knew exactly from year to year to year to year after 20 year, how long were you down there? I don't know. And you would just gravitate towards those corners and know what it looked like and oh that's a massive crowd that that's not so good it, it, it was hard for me last year to, to kind of gauge that because of the new arena and it being obviously a more vast big bigger arena so it was the most they've made since 2015 well that's good news yeah right and, and actually and before that and the two years 20 more than they made in 2013 and 2014 so yeah it definitely i guess large kind of overall picture is it reversed a really bad trend but it wasn't like some massive turnaround unless the three-day thing is more significant than i guess we understand you know what i mean yeah, and no i i did not expect a massive turnaround the only concern I would have, Mike, is that year one and two in Champagne, I would think, would draw some casual observers yes. just to, yeah. and then they go away. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe somebody so, checking it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'd never seen the arena. Maybe they just want to see the what it looked like from what they used to. You know, it. it we'll see if that transpires. But, um, but you're right. I mean, a lot of it comes back to schools like Glenbard West and. You know, uh, over the years, there's this one, there's there's those schools and towns that bring a boatload of people. And then there's some, if you get the wrong 
collection of teams down there. It's abysmal. And, you know, we'll just see. Um, but, I I mean, I'm not going to get to the whole Champagne versus Peoria, but I've already signed off on it. So, <laughs> we're good. You're good to go. Do you got your reservations, Joe? Oh, shoot, I don't. <laughs> I forgot. I just said that about two weeks ago that I forgot. Get on right. that. Yeah. yeah, I've had mine for a while. I'm locked into the Champagne Hotel scene these days. Um all right, let's uh, well, let's start with um, the kind of late breaking one. About like a month ago, Mike Irvin told me Camden was coming, and I was waiting for the news, and I wanted to write a story about it and talk to them. And then I just didn't, you know, he didn't solidify it until a couple of days ago, so there was no really time to get a hold of everybody and do all that. But we've done some quick looking around about this Camden team. They are it's Camden, New Jersey. They're twelve and two. Now, oh gosh, I should have asked you this: Is this Rick Brunson went here? I thought is mm-hmm. that. And didn't he coach here recently? Yeah, short-lived, I believe. Yes, before he left um, for the Knicks. And uh, they have two massive stars, DJ Wagner, Dewan Wagner's son, who's going to Kentucky, who has been ranked anywhere from one to four in the country, and his teammate, um, Aaron Bradshaw, a seven-footer, who has been ranked anywhere from one to five in the country, depending on what you look at, also a Kentucky signee. So they have two top five players in the country, both going to Kentucky. They're 12 and two. And just today, um, a lot of listeners might be aware of Bishop Gorman. They kind of pop up around here pretty often. They destroyed Bishop Gorman 90 to 54 at Hoop Hall. So, and their scores, unlike our teams around here, these guys are scoring 80 to 90 (laughs) a night. So Kenwood might just get exhausted having to score twice as many points. Well, you say the son of Dewan Wagner. I say the grandson of Milt Wagner, uh, which ages me. Do you know Milt Wagner, Mike? No idea. Nope. Oh, all right. Well, Milt Wagner was, a when I was a kid, a phenomenal college player at Louisville and drafted very short-lived NBA career. And then Dewan Wagner was his – basically, I'm old. Uh, it makes <laughs> me feel old. But, yeah, Milt Wagner, to have three, three generations is pretty cool. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had Greg Oden come to Chicago. I mean, Greg Oden was a way bigger deal than DJ Wagner, but it's an opportunity for Chicago area fans to see the best of the best and in individual talent. And Camden, for years, way back when, not so much in recent, but they were a huge deal back when I was like in the 80s and 90s. Huge. Yeah. It's a name I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, it, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I like that it's not a, a big arena. Uh, I, you know, I, I tend to not get too excited about out of state teams, but it should be fun. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's the level, obviously, of last year, even where it's, you know, boys came from California and played Glumbard West with, with Bronny James, but it, it I think it's, but it's gone. the best I, we can do this year, right? Yeah, right. And so that's it, cool, and, yeah. and and it sets up Kenwood for a massive weekend for them. Yeah, uh, and and you know Kenwood is not as a set up a massive weekend for them. I mean, they post December, you know, you know they played. Look what they're who they've played here in, in a 10, 12 day stretch. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Uh, with Simeon and, and Curie, and um, and then obviously they've got to go to Bennett the following night the game is at uh, I don't think I said that sorry where it's at it's on DePaul's campus 
um, at the McGrath Phillips arena there. The tickets, I've tweeted it out a couple times, the link. Man, if you were an early bird, I saw they were just 10 bucks. I don't know how long that lasted, but it went up to 20. I think the Kenwood girls are playing the La Lumiere girls um, right before it. But yeah, I think it's really cool. And I think it should be a point to make it a thing where we try to get the best player in the country here every year. You know, I, I think that's fun. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think that this is really, I, I also, you know, everybody knows and listens to this, that we don't get super excited about out of state teams, but to me, it's kind of different when the best player, you know, mm-hmm. comes, that's really neat. So I'm excited this is happening and, uh, hope any, everybody can get there on Friday. Parking's a little rough in, in that area. So if you're in the city, I would recommend, uh, Ubering or taking the train. Other than that, it's a great place to watch a game, not a bad seat in the house. So if you've never been there, do not worry about that. Just get in there. Um, it's really great once you're in there. Um, and then, so what would you do as a coach, Joe? Would you prepare for Camden and DJ Wagner or for Bennett, which you got to play the next day? Um, I mean, I think there's a little <laughs> bit more preparation for the Bennett, with, with what they're going to do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, I, I just think that I, I, and I don't know how you would look at it. I, I think this one is a fun game. Not that they're not trying to win, and not that you're just doing it, going through the motions to enjoy, but you know, it's just a high-profile game that that I think is going to be a blast for those kids. Um, all right, so that'll take us into uh, when sides collide. There will be no parking issues at Bennett. Um, you can get there comfortably and uh, <laughs> and watch your basketball. Um, that one is going to start out. I'll just give you the rundown here. Then we'll get into it. It's Brother Rice against Rolling Meadows. Uh, then it's Joliet West against Young, and then Simeon Moline, and then Kenwood Bennett. Who would have guessed, Mike, that the teams that are ranked the highest as far as playing each other two, four, six weeks ago was going to be Kenwood Bennett? And that, what would I have said? That, that, that's have, that's yeah. one versus four, four. in yes. your rankings. Yeah. Uh, and it's also in the statewide eight people in four a it's the one, two, three, four, five, and six ranked teams all playing uh, with Simeon, obviously being three a. So I, I just think that over the course, what's transpired over the course of this season is to me, the Kenwood Bennett game is the most intriguing one for me. Ken, uh, you know, Bennett's played anybody's followed Bennett basketball. They played this, They've done a really good job of trying to play in high-profile events, big games. They they added Pontiac Holiday Tournament, I don't know, was that six, seven years ago, five, six years ago. Uh, and they've played young. They've played Simeon and Curia, whether it be in, you know, the old City Suburban Showdown, at, you know, in those days or in, in Peoria when they've played those public league teams and state championship games or Simeon and Curia at, at Pontiac. But you know what they've never, never done? Played one of them at home. Oh, oh yeah, they so, played. It was Tyler Eulis was at home, wasn't it? But that was about it. Conference yeah, game. yeah. <laughs> so I think it's gonna be a charged up atmosphere. Uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead of the, the final game. I just think it's. I, I think it could go a number of ways. I really do. I, 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 is there a chance Kenwood could blow them out? Yes, I don't think they will. I just think. Bennett is just too fundamentally sound, disciplined, and and will and will have that home court rocking and rolling that they are going to hang in there just as they did with, you know, the Simeons of the world. So, 
that that to me is is going to be a super intriguing contrast of styles and go back to our point earlier of Kenwood being able to play a little you know slower paced half court game and get wins like against Simeon against uh Whitney Young uh that's you know and, and again Bennett is not a slow it down people may have this perception they are they they, they aren't they they get in their offense and they you know they, they are not a take the air of the ball team at all so it, it, it is going to be a really fun game and a fun atmosphere at Bennett on Saturday with, with that particular game it'll be interesting because I, I don't know how many people actually saw the Bennett Simeon game but Bennett could not handle Simeon's size like mm-hmm. it, it was bad Simeon was up 20. They were up 18 in the third quarter. They were dominating the game with their size, mm-hmm. but you know, then they lost, you know, obviously it got, it got close, very close to the end. But my point is Kenwood has that size, but they have yet, I've yet to see them use it effectively this season. It just hasn't, they haven't been able to score in the post effectively, even just rebounds and putbacks. It hasn't worked out too well. You know, if Kenwood can find a way to use their size against Bennett, that's the the way to a nice, you know, not easy, but maybe a sizable victory for them. But it's not something I've seen them do this year. So that'll be interesting. I mean, offensively with Kenwood's bigs, if you look at them, that there's a lot of developmental stuff yeah. going. Uh, so it's not, it is not a finished product. It's, it's, it's uh, raw and that does not, but now, Bennett has, I mean, very little size. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to have to take care of the ball, which I'm pretty secure with, with Braden Fagbemi at point guard uh, and, and handling the pressure. Kenwin's going to bring it. I don't know. They bring a little bit different type of pressure than like a Simeon. Um, but, you know, and Bennett's going to have to, they're going to get shots in the half court. They will. And they're just going to have to shoot it well. And they're not super deep, so they get legs, get tired. There's, there's, like I said, there's some factors that lend itself to Kenwood breaking it open and going on a big run and putting it away. I just, I think there's two. Like I said, if they can keep that half court defense fundamentally sound, uh, the way they always do, I think they're going to keep it close. Yep, it should be a good one. Uh, if you'd have told me that Joliet West was going to be the lowest-ranked team headed into this back in November, I would not have been pleased, Joe. Not at all. So I guess we need to see if the Tigers can pull it out against Young, who hasn't had a kind of a big local game since the uh, Proviso West Championship due to the Red Northwest kind of not being great this year. But it should be a fun one. And uh, introduce yourselves if you uh, see me there, everybody. Uh, it's always been fun to meet a lot of listeners out of the holiday tournaments. And it should be a great weekend of basketball. Thanks for listening.